Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 29 of License to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, drank a little wine before this podcast started, Ooh. which is a little bit strange for me. Don't get too excited. This was like not interesting wine. This was just, like, there was just some wine in my fridge. I was like, hmm, I'm going to have a little wine. And uh, here I am. Right on. Well, welcome. Welcome. Are you, yeah. are you enjoying this Thank unseasonably you. warm day? Uh, actually, I'm kind of good. I thought we were into cool weather now, and it was, like, n- almost 90 degrees today. And yesterday. And I was not, did, did not and yesterday, going out this weekend myself. Yeah, uh... <laughs> I was not prepared for it. So, I mean, listen, it was a beautiful day. Like, don't get me wrong. And uh, I will rue the day that I was like, oh, hot weather. But, um, yeah, in the moment, I was I was sort of looking forward to being a little bit cooler. But, you know, it's very cool, Dave. Episode 29 of Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. It is called The Unexpected Great Monster Accident. It was written by Yoshio Urasawa. It was originally aired on September 13th, 1996. I'm looking forward to talking about it, Dave. But before that, of course, as always, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week is that Beth has taken the kids down to visit her family in Texas. Oh, how nice. Yeah, it is. It's uh, the circumstances are a little bit weird, and she went down very suddenly. Um, everything's fine. Don't worry. But yeah, she's going down to visit her family, and I am here. Obviously, which is, I mean, if you yeah, weren't, obviously, we be doing, I guess we could still do the show, but you would be like in an airplane right now, and that would be tricky. Yeah, that would be hard. I don't know how. I've, Everybody else on a Boeing 747 would feel about listening to like one half of a podcast. Um, no, no, you, but you get the first half for free. That's how you get them hooked. And it's then they the come teaser, back and they listen right? to the full episode. Yeah. Um, Which I guess is also free. So this is a bad business model, Dave. <laughs> this is, we're not going to have a great first quarter, <laughs> Especially Matt. if you had to buy the plane ticket to do it. We are hemorrhaging money. Listen, um, as far as I can tell, that's how, that's how business works. You have an idea, and then you lose several billion dollars, <laughs> and then you're rich, but your company folds. That's pretty much... Like, I saw something in the news the other week that Uber lost, like, multiple billions of dollars. I, I am pretty sure we have talked about that on this show before. Okay, then I won't again. Like, it's just insane to me. Um, yeah, I, I... So anyways... I remember, because I, I think I made the observation before that every tech startup is just the plot of the producers. 
um, if you didn't make that joke, Matt, you got double duty out of that joke. Because if I probably <laughs> laughed at it before and I forgot about it and I laughed at it again because it's a very good joke. So that's how you do comedy, guys, is when someone has a good joke, you say the words, that was a good joke. So in case anybody missed it, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can go back. And then later in like another couple of months, I'm going to bring it back up again. And that's not me being repetitive. That's the rule of three. So that's how comedy. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm living that bachelor life, hashtag that bachelor life, and it's really weird. It was we- So this is the first time I've done this in any sort of extended way, I think since we've had the twins. Now, when you there say been in like, any extended way, we should be clear. You dropped them off at the airport like three hours ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're not getting back until Thursday. Right. I'm just saying, so, like, if you are feeling weird about it now, like, buckle up. Yeah, well, here's... Okay, so, like, they've been gone for, like, one or two days before. But it was a while ago that that was the case. And here's the analogy. And if this doesn't work for you, sorry... I know it'll work for you, Matt. Although it'll be a little bit weird for you. Because here's the analogy. When you finish college... I know, Matt, when you finished college, you went directly into, like, an additional structured activity. Yes. But, like... You know, your whole high school career, you know exactly what to do, right? Like, someone tells you where to go and what to do. And you sort of become institutionalized. And then you go to college... And you're like, well, I will, I will do that thing. Right, and it's modified, but it's basically the same kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you have more freedom, but there's still, like, a structure. And you don't have to, like, you know, you're not, like, buying your own groceries or whatever. Probably. Like, maybe you live on campus. But the point is, is that, like, there's this very firm structure. And then you get out of college, and just all of a sudden, there's no one telling you what to do anymore. Like, you want to go get a job or whatever, and, like, your boss will tell you things to do at your job. But, like, outside of that, like, you're just kind of alive? And that's very much what this feels like. Like, I spent so much time, like, scrambling after the twins and, like, getting everything for their lives sorted out that all of a sudden... Like, they're not here, and I'm just not... Like, I have a list of things to do, but, like, I don't know how to go about doing them. It's a very bizarre experience. Right, now because now there's nothing in the way of you doing them. You can just decide at any moment, well, it is time to accomplish this task. Right, but like, my whole... Mo- and, like, it's not that I'm bad at getting things done, but, like, my whole modus is built around, like... You do something productive for like 20 minutes and then a child is screaming and you have to go deal with that. And then you have to like, that's going to take a while and maybe you have to like read a story and like comfort a child. And then you can like get back to whatever it was you were trying to do before like the cycle repeats like ad nauseum, right? right? And so, and like, you know, you get the kids down for bed and then you have like a precious few minutes where they're asleep and you also do not have to be asleep. But now it's all those minutes and I don't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Well, there was just a new update in Fallout 76, so, you know. 
Yeah, I was thinking about doing that. Here's the thing. I I got a new debit card. Okay. Which is fine. Like, my one broke. And when you get a new debit card, you know, like, the number stays the same, but, like, your CV, whatever, changes. Yeah, there's always, like, a and, month and a half of you having to, like, go back into everything to reset right. all of your payments. Well, Microsoft Gold was like, oh, hey, we couldn't renew your payment, but it coincided with the end of summer. And I was like, cool, this is a problem that has solved itself because I wanted to cancel Xbox Live anyways. Okay. Well, like, which normally you would just be like, oh, yeah, just cancel Xbox Live. I don't... Have you ever tried to cancel Xbox Live, Matt? Uh, No, I have not. It's like a... I know we use the phrase, and I'm, like, drastically overstating this. It very much is, like, a dealer's, like, oh, the first one's free. Like, it's very easy to get into. You can just, like, turn your Xbox on and be like, I would like Xbox Live. To cancel Xbox Live is, like, a 45-step, like, triple verification process. Oh, I'm sure it's, like, canceling the gym membership. Yeah, it's a gigantic pain. Have you ever canceled a gym membership? I have not. Okay. Beth did one time and it took, I kid you not, I think a calendar year. I, I used to have a membership to the uh, the uh, Planet Fitness. It was, it was like 10 bucks a month, right? Yeah. When I want, decided that I was not getting enough use out of it and I decided to cancel my membership, signing up, as you say, you just like go online and click three buttons and all of a and now you remember. To cancel it, you need to either go into the building... And, like, in person say, like, I am now canceling this. Or you need to write them a physical letter and put it in a mailbox. What? Yeah. There is no way online or over the phone to cancel your membership to uh, Planet Fitness. Okay, well, Microsoft is slightly better than that. But it is this, like, huge process. So I was like, well, like, neat. Like, this, I don't have to deal with this. Like, my credit card has expired. And all that happens is, like, once a month you send me an email that, like, we couldn't renew the thing. But if I were to get it back for just these few days, I would have to give them my new information. And then you could never cancel again. And then I would have to go through the process of canceling, and I just don't know if it's worth it. So now you can just never play this game again. And, well, maybe till, like, next summer, and I'll have, like gathered the psychic energy that I need to to deal with this whole process again. So anyways, Matt, that's my free and easy lifestyle. Uh, What is our second star of the week? Dave, second star of the week, I got a commute update. Commute update! Okay, Rad, it's been a minute. I was actually just talking about commutes and how terrible they are. Yeah, they're not good. So, I mean, you walk to work, so that's nice, but... Yeah. Uh, I drive... So you walk to work, which means you probably... And you live in uh, a part of town that is not, like, super highway-focused, we shall say? Uh, yes. It is actively and vehemently opposed to highways, or at least it was when highways were being built. And now, even if we changed our mind... It's too late. Yeah, there's really no way to put one in there. Um, Anyway, I drive on several highways every day to get to and from work. The the route that I take, I have to, like, you know, make a couple of exchanges. And, Dave, 
I don't know how much time you spent on the highway. You were driving out to the airport today, so you might have seen this billboard once or twice or seven times. It- wait, wait, stop, 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 stop. Are you about to talk about Misney? I'm, I'm about to talk about Misney. Holy cats. Okay. This, Sorry. this guy. Th- I don't mean to steal your thunder. You talk. Yeah, it is a local, like, personal injury lawyer. You know, like a TV lawyer. Um, like, he's a, I'm, I'm sure he's a real lawyer, but he's the sort of lawyer that has, like, TV commercials and, like, you know, tries to get you to hire him if you've been in an accident or, like, some sort of, like, medical malpractice thing. He has apparently spent... I've never seen a physical, like, advertisement for this guy before. So I have never heard of this dude before, like, two months ago. So I'm going to assume that he has been saving up a entire lifetime of advertising budget and has decided to blow it all on a series of bill- identical billboards all over the city. Dave, when I drive to work, there's just this big... Oh, dude, you do not have to get on the highway. This dude is on bus stops. He is on, like, city street uh, billboards, like, as you head down Carnegie. Like, this dude is every... Wait, he's in this podcast, even. Right. It's what There is a spot on my commute where I can see... On the same side of the road. It's not like I'm on like a weird angle and I'm seeing the billboard from like two different highways at once. I can see two of the same billboard at this on the same stretch in the same ice like sight line. They're like three billboards away from each other. It's dude. I have no idea how many millions of dollars like one, this dude has like dropped. one third of all advertising space in the city of Cleveland, and like he's not doing anything like. Special. He's just like it's not as though he is all of a sudden a personal injury lawyer. He's been around well, for ages. Just all of a sudden, now he is everywhere. And the thing is, the billboards have a picture of him pointing sternly at the camera that is taking his picture. You know, like just like finger coming at you, like uh, seemingly like popping out of the billboard. And he's got like a very exaggerated, like stern lawyer face. And it just says, "Misney makes them pay." It does not give you... It doesn't give you his email address. It doesn't give you his website. Nothing. It doesn't give you his phone number. It doesn't give you his first name. It just said, it just says Misney makes them pay. And then he bought a thousand of them. And it's madness. Dude, it is. It's bizarre. It's like... It's as though we're existing in a video game. And they just decided that they only wanted to do art for like... Four billboards. Yeah, it's exactly like that. It's like you're playing like original Grand Theft Auto three, and they're like, "Listen, we're doing three billboards. One of them is Misney. Well, like one of them's a beer, and one of them's a radio station, and that's what we're doing." Yeah, it's yeah, it's buck wild. Um, that's all. I mean that 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 is such a weird thing in my commute that that's the commute update I'm bringing you. As opposed to the other commute update I almost brought you, which was the other day during rush hour on my drive home, I saw a regular car pulled over on the side of the highway and a guy about 10 feet away from that car just digging a hole with a shovel. He was now, he was not wearing now- a vest. He was not like a city worker. He was just a guy who had pulled off on the side of the highway just wearing like slacks and a polo Digging a hole with a shovel, 5.15 p.m. 
Okay, listen, that dude knows something that you don't know, and it's important, whatever it was. And it's also probably important that I don't know it. Yeah, yeah, precisely. Thank you. I think we're just going to leave this man and his, like, weird energy (laughs) and his highway hole alone. I don't want to touch that one. Anyway, Dave, um, what is our third star of the week? Third star of the week, man, is a fun new game. I like fun games. Yeah, people like this. This is not new. It is only new-ish to me because I've only started. I've only played it recently. Uh, the game is called Keyforge. Anyways, it's this cool new game, uh, new-ish, and uh, it's written by Richard Garfield, who is the dude who actually who invented. He's like the guy. He created Magic: The Gathering, and he created Netrunner, and he has created this new game, and it's called Keyforge. And I won't go into the details of the game. Why would aside you? from aside from this map? Here's why I think this game, because I know you have never really gotten into any of these games. Here's why I think this game may appeal to you. I mean, I was very into Overpower, but that was a long time ago. Well, okay, that was, yeah, that was a minute ago. Um, I would really, A, this is totally separate from Keyforge. I would really like to go back and play Overpower, like, as it was intended to be played. Because we introduced a whole lot of house rules, which in retrospect, like, obliterated the game. Oh, it completely ruined it, yeah. Yeah, anyways, here's the cool thing about Keyforge. There is zero deck crafting. Okay. Like, it does not exist. You get a deck. You can buy a bunch if you want. You get a deck. They are randomly generated, and you are not permitted by the rules of the game to alter them in any way. Okay. So, like, it is just about playing the game. There is zero time spent like, oh man, if I combine like Dark Lord Thunder with Mega Air Conditioner. So your your dark card gets activated, Blue Eyes White Dragon. Yeah, exactly. Like there's none of that. It's like, here's your deck. Like you don't even necessarily need to look at the cards ahead of time because it won't matter because they're going to be shuffled anyways. Like, So, okay, how varied are these decks? Are they like... You know what I mean? Like Dude, they're they're pretty varied. So like they're they're generated on some sort of algorithm. Mm-hmm. Um but the algorithm has like a fair amount of variance. And um so basically there's six factions of cards and your deck will be split pretty evenly between those like uh out of the six factions your deck will only include 3. Uh-huh. And the cards you have in that deck will be split, like, pretty evenly, if not exactly evenly, between those three, like, factions. And, uh, you know, each faction has, like, I don't know, like, 20 available cards, of which you will see, like, six to eight in any given deck. Like, I'm kind of pulling these numbers out. But, like, there's a fair amount of variability. Um... Yeah, so it's great. You just, like, hang out and play it, and then you are done. Like, there's no, like, extensive... Any- which, it, like, listen, I have thoroughly enjoyed games where there's, like, a bunch of theory crafting at other points in my life, but, like, where I'm at right now? Just, like, here. Here's a, here's a thing. You learned, like, the four rules. You can play it, and then you can be done. And you never have to think about it again. Like, that's primo. That's primo gaming for me. That does sound fun. I actually, speaking of, what was the guy's name again? Uh, Richard Garfield. I just backed a, 
a Kickstarter game that he was making with Ken Jennings of... Uh, oh, no kidding! Yeah. Yeah, I saw that around. Yeah, the two of them, like, apparently have for a number of years been working on a, like... Like a Trivial Pursuit, basically. Um, like a trivia board game thing. Like, Ken Jennings is really good at, great at trivia, and Richard Garfield is really great at making games, and they just got together and made a trivia game. Yeah, they've apparently been working on it for, like, ages. Yeah, I, the, the campaign just ended, so I obviously have not played the game yet, but from what I saw, it looks very cool. Like, you, the, they, they, you get asked the question from the card, and then on the card there are six potential answers, and, like, three of them are true. Huh. And you have to, like, bid on which ones are true. And if you can, like... I, I, I haven't played the game. I'm not going to go into it. Because I'm just trying to repeat something that I saw on a video last week. Which, technically, I guess, is the like the premise of our podcast. But not necessarily those videos. Um, anyway, yeah, so looking forward here to it. So uh, here's a wild thing that will make total sense. But I also did not know. Uh, Richard Garfield apparently has a doctorate in computational mathematics. I mean, I guess that makes sense if you're like a game a game designer. Yeah, of I was going to say like, games. yeah, precisely. Like when I think about what he's done, it's like, yeah, yeah, that would be like a very good background to have. Uh, but I just didn't know it. So, anyways, Keyforge, um, it's neat. We should we should play it sometime. Right on. What Matt is our fourth star of the Speaking week? Speaking of fun things to play, Dave, I got the remake of Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Oh man! And Dave, it's very good. It's an yeah. extremely good game, uh, dude. Uh, for those of you who are not in in your mid thirties or above, the uh, Link's Awakening was a Legend of Zelda game that came out on the original Game Boy. The or- holy cats! Wow, uh, it's like it came out like nineteen ninety three, uh, or maybe ninety four in the states. So I was like ten when I got it. Uh, oh man, that was a real good game. I played it a lot and I loved it. And then at some point in my youth, I lost the cartridge. And the game, I think the game was remade either later on the Game Boy or maybe on the Game Boy Advance. But I missed that when that happened. So uh, I think it was Game Boy Advance. Yeah. So I have not played Link's Awakening probably since 95, 96, whenever it was that I would have lost that cartridge. And I really, I genuinely thought I was never going to have the opportunity to play it again. So when this came up, even though it is, like, wildly expensive for a remake of a, like, 20-some-year-old Game Boy game. Well, you know, man, they say, like, oh, it's a remake. It is, that game is from scratch. They're not, like, reusing old code. Oh, no, no. Yeah, that's the thing. They've remade it from scratch, and it's gorgeous. Like, everything in the game looks like a little toy. Because the thing is that, like, to maintain the, you know, when you played it on the Game Boy... The characters were small, and the screen was small, and everything was very compact. And so to maintain that, they kind of like... First of all, they, they use an art style that makes everything look like a little plastic toy, basically. Oh, dig it. Um, like, not exactly, but it's all very like smooth and like shiny. It's It looks very nice. I recommend you look up a video of it. Um, but they also like z- make it look as though the camera is super zoomed in on what is happening on the ground because, like, it gets unfocused around the edge of the screen. So, it re- oh. so like, it really gives you this impression of, like, you have these toys and you're playing in, like, 
you're just like playing with these toys in this toy box. It's really Oh great. man, yeah, that sounds really, really excellent. Oh man, dude. And plus, it's just like a really wonderful Zelda game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm just echoing you about like how great this game is. And I'm just sort of like remembering it like way back when. I'd love to take a look at it sometime. Absolutely. Um, uh, that's, that's honestly it for that star, but uh, I've just been playing it a lot this weekend. And so that's the only new thing I had to talk about. So what, Matt, is our fifth star of the week? Dave, fifth star of the week is I have been watching some documentaries. I love documentaries. Me too. But I've been watching like, I don't want to say like small or weird or bad documentaries. I, what I, what I, the distinction that I want to make. I mean, any one of those descriptors can be applied to documentaries. Like, that's fine. Sure, but like the distinction that I want to make is that the documentary, like I'm not watching Planet Earth, right? Like I'm not watching. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not watching this sort of like high budget, like Netflix documentaries. That is not what I'm getting into. I am watching like low budget Amazon Prime documentaries. Okay. You know what? They're... Well, let me, let me... I don't want to say better, but like... And like a different vector, like totally as good. Sure, because the thing is about a weird small documentary is that... It can be about something weird and small. Yeah, it can be about something weird and small. And that no one is going to make that documentary without being really into the subject matter, you know? Right. Well, and also, like, BBC Two is not going to devote, like, several hajillion dollars and the talents of Sir David Attenborough to a documentary about, like, Magic the Gathering. Uh, like, they're just not... Well, I did not watch one about Magic the Gathering. Here are the two that I watched. I have. It's real interesting. Go ahead. Uh, there's one that's called... I think it's called Eye of the Beholder, and it is about... Beholders. Well, it's about... And their ecology. It actually is narrated by Sir David Attenborough. <laughs> no, it's about the art in old D&D manuals. Oh, neat. And it's really interesting. I thought it was going to be about, like, the art of D&D, like, throughout the years. It's got a little bit of that in the beginning and the end, but it's mostly all about the art in D&D manuals from, like, day one through, like, the end of the TSR days when Wizards of the Coast bought... Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. So it's all that like, you know, like Planescape and Dark Sun, but also like the weird, bad first edition art that looks like a, that that looks like, and it looks like this because this is true. It was just drawn by a high schooler who knew Gary Gygax. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of that early D&D art is just like, you know, he wasn't even necessarily the best artist in the high school. He was just the best artist in the high school who was interested in doing that sort of thing. Yeah, precisely. And so going back and like, and they'll have like, and they have like interviews with those people now. And they're talking like, oh yeah, like I, I did this and I got paid $20 and it was really fun. And we worked in an office that was like kind of collapsing. Um, And then it goes into like that really great stretch of like second edition art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it ruled. And it was just like a very nice, wholesome, like, nostalgic view of, like, early days of role-playing. And then the next one I watched was called World of Darkness that was almost exclusively about uh, Vampire the Masquerade. And that was also really great, but any degree of, like, wholesome nostalgia just got thrown 100% out the window. Oh, yeah, Vampire is extremely hard. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, I was like, oh, man, this was really fun. I wonder if we're going <laughs> to talk about... It's all of White like, House. 
all the same sort of things we talked about in the other documentary. And immediately not, it just cuts to just, like this dirty yeah, just club weird scene. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love White Wolf games, but, like, <laughs> yeah, they are definitely not, like... Yeah, it was really interesting. Like, I, I kind of was... I was hoping that it was going to be more of a full World of Darkness thing. It was basically only Vampire the Masquerade. It was, like, Vampire, um, the Vampire, like, Mind's Eye Theater, LARP, and uh, some talk about the video game that never ended up happening. Yeah, you know, that is... I think it's actually really interesting because I feel like of all the stuff that White Wolf has put out, Vampire is actually sort of the least... To me, is like the least interesting and engaging, but is like 100% like their largest property. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of wild. Although I am... I will probably never play it, but I would totally be interested in playing the like 15 years later sequel to Bloodlines. Yeah, that would be fun. That is uh, that actually is apparently coming out. So who knows? Right on. Anyway, uh, we've been talking about this stuff for a very long time, Dave. You want to go talk about uh, Car Ranger for a minute? Yeah, yeah just sure before would. we wrap this stuff up. All right, welcome back. So, dude, I, you know I love a mid-season pivot. Love the mid-season pivot. Um, oh, also, we totally did not talk about this. Hey, guys, uh, sorry we missed last week's episode. Uh, man, it was it was a week. Uh, I don't want to get into the details. Like, everybody's fine. It was just a week, man. I, I didn't bring um, it up because I'm not sorry. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't your stuff. <laughs> it was my stuff. Um, so anyways... I am sorry. Uh, we hate to miss a week, but, uh, you know, real real life called. Anyways, this, <laughs> this is, man, this are, these are the, the spots in Super Sentai that I live for. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Um, I feel like, and I, you know, we, we've talked about this before, and but I have been thinking a lot about it more recently with Go Sentai Heroes and, like, the, the sort of overarching structure of Sentai. Like... The first few episodes are always killer. Like, episodes like one through four are always amazing. And then episodes like five through 20, they're fine. Like, there there will be some good stuff Sure, it's in a mixed there. bag. Like, you need, to have, you need to have some of those episodes, because if you don't, then there's nothing to pivot from. Exactly. Like, you have to set a pace so that you can then... Like, you have to write a script so that you can then flip it. But everybody's living for... Like, everybody's waiting for the flip to right. script the, or the, the base to drop. drop the base. Or, like... Yeah. yeah, precisely. That's actually, I think, a very good thing. Like, you can't drop the base in the first beat, but that's what you're there for. Like, you're there for when the base drops, but, like, you recognize that you have to have... A little bit of a waiting game. But the base has dropped. The base done dropped, y'all. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's how they say it in EDM circles. Yeah. That's the base done dropped. Dave, you and then you I, then you I mean, drop listen, it. Dave, we are experts on techno music. That's yeah, how I know so that they low. still call it techno. Yep. Yeah. So we got all the hits. <laughs> I know. I used yep. to have a Paul Oakenfold album. I was just going to say, I know three DJs. I know Paul Oakenfold. I know the guy who throws cake at people. And I know Skrillex. And I don't even like Skrillex. I just know who he is. You don't know the name of the second guy. 
Right. Uh, uh, Aoki, Steve Aoki, I think is his name. Man, could be. <laughs> no reason why not. Um, anyways, so we're at, uh, this episode opens up, we're at Pegasus Motors, and uh, Kyosuke is there, he's sweeping up, and he sort of stops, and he looks up into the sky, and he thinks about his his frenemy Signal Man. Yeah. Signal Man and, has, has left them, and he's gone up to that that great sports festival in the sky. I mean, he's fine. It, I mean, it is in the literally sky. in the sky. He went to space. It's literally in the sky. Yeah, he's on Planet Police. Police Planet? Planet Police. And uh, we get a little, like, dreamy montage of him doing the the three-legged race with Signal Son, and Signal Wife comes and, like, gives him a big hug. And that's all. That's all very nice. So then we go, and we see... Uh, again, if you're watching along with us, which you should be, and you've just now been introduced to Dapu, uh, again, sorry. Yeah, we, we see a horrible goblin wearing a Michael Jordan uh, Chicago Bulls jersey. And... And he says, Ah! Oh, oh, I'm so sleepy. Extraordinarily sleepy. And he's... He just can't keep his eyes open. He's trying to figure out what's happening. And suddenly... He has a flash of insight. He's like, oh my gosh. Finally, I understand. But we don't get to find out what he understands because the show yeah, hates now, us. Now, we will, we will return to this moment of inspiration later. Right. But first, we need to, we need to swing on up to Barbarian. Where yes. President Gynamo is talking to Instructor Richie Hiker. And he's like, all right. You absorbed all the evil energy in the galaxy. Like, you got it all. That's great. You're killing it. You bogarted the evil energy. You are on a roll. Uh, so now that you have all this great evil energy, what's like? what are we going to do now? Like, what's your big plan? You were our plan guy, and now you're more powerful, so what's your more powerful plan? Yeah, so Instructor Richie Hiker is like, who? Who do you think you are? Like I am now the I guess like the evilest dude in the universe is the is the idea, and he sort of just like power flexes and there's an earthquake, so that's neat. And then he's like, dude, like, I, you should not talk to me in this fashion. And after that earthquake, we look out the window and we see an enormous monster hand. Yep. And that freaks everyone out. And then the enormous monster hand leaves. And, like, just the eyeball of an enormous monster head, like, goes to, like, look in the window. And Richie Hiker's like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Check this guy out. You yeah, do not get so to talk to me is, that way anymore. Right. So this is... I'm not sure if it's supposed to be... I think it's supposed to be, like, a breaking... Like, breaks on a car pun. But he's breaking, like, K-I-N-G... So he's like the most powerful breaker. Maybe it's also like a breaking the car rangers. I think this is a pun. This is wild. And I love when Sentai does this, which is a multi-layered pun that only works in English. Right. But does not necessarily work if English is your first language. Like it yes, only works yeah, for like people it, who kind of know English. It occupies this like beautiful liminal space. Um, I, I can't get enough of it. I would watch like an entire comedy hour composed of nothing but puns in this vein. So... Guy, Guy Nemo is thrilled. He's like, oh my gosh. Look at this. 
Like this is incredible. You're like I'm in love with this giant thing, but how did you do it? Like how? Where did you get the money? Because for this incredible robot. Because if you recall, when when Richie Hiker was hired, he was hired because Gynamo thought that he was a really great deal. Like he was getting, he was a budget dude. Yeah, and he says, "Oh, I I found your secret account, your President Gynamo's secret account, where you have been basically embezzling money from." the rest of the Bozoak to plan your extraordinarily extravagant wedding to Zanet, whom you would like to marry or start dating someday. Right. When, when this conversation is happening, uh, the idea that President Gynamo has been saving for his marriage to Lady Zanet is a huge surprise to Zanet. Yeah, this is more of like a vision board kind of bank account that he's got going on. Right. It's like a hope chest, right. but with like a gajillion space bucks. So what she does realize, though, even though she has no interest in getting married and had never been consulted on this, was that if that money was being saved for his wedding to her, then really, that was her money? And now she's mad that Richie Hiker took it. Yeah, so Richie Hiker commands uh, Zelmoda and Grotch to grab President Gynamo and Zanat. And I expected this from inventor Grotch, whom I hate. Uh-huh. But Zelmoda does, in fact, betray President Gynamo. Well, I also and didn't I expect was, it, and neither did President Gynamo. I was genuinely... Like, this was a moving moment. It, it really bummed me out that Zelmoda betrays President Gynamo. And we actually see the scene... Like, we right. see the 30 pieces of silver Because Gynamo calls him out on it. He's like, dude, like, what What are you doing? We are friends. Like, we are. We have been bros forever. Like, we founded the Bozoak. And here's what it is, basically. is instructor Richie Hiker is, like, sitting across a table from Zelmoda and Inspect, Inventor Grotch. And he says, what if I gave you, like, a lot of space bucks to betray Gynamo? And Inventor Grotch is basically like, yeah, I'm cool. And Zelmo is like, no, never. And Instructor Richard Hiker says, what if I offered you, like, even more space bucks than that? And Zelmo says, no. And then Instructor Richie Hiker says, like, what if I offered you, like, a truly absurd number of space bucks? And Zelmo says, okay, now we're kicking with right, gas. Right. Like, let's do it. Let's betray my best friend. That's a lot of bucks. Yeah, so it's a huge bummer. But Instructor Richie Hiker does complete his takeover of the Bozoak. Because, and again, like the rest of the Bozo could totally make sense. Like they're here to party. They're here to hang out at the Barbary Saloon. They are here to like blow planets up. Uh, you know, President Gynamo is cool as long as he's being cool. And if Instructor Richie Hiker is cooler, then like that's that's the plan, right. man. Uh, Richie Hiker tells everyone to cheer for him and they all uh, do that. In this moment, uh, Gynamo who I guess is no longer President Gynamo and is now just a regular Gynamo, and Zanette, like, run away, hop in Zanette's car and fly down to Earth. Yes. Although they are followed very quickly by um, Breaking, who is heading down to Earth. Yeah, if you need... Uh, Breaking is basically Mechagodzilla. Breaking is absolutely Mechagodzilla. Yeah, he's Mechagodzilla, and he just sort of, like, breaststrokes through space towards Earth. It's pretty great. He's a good design. 
Yeah, so uh, Zanette immediately crashes. Like, they end up on Earth, and they start driving, and then Zanette immediately crashes. Yeah, well, Bray King sort of lands behind them, and she's freaked out and trying to get away. I don't think Bray King is really chasing them so much as he's just, like, on Earth causing a, causing a stink. Yeah, at first it did seem like he was following them, but now he's just, he's right. just wrecking shop. So we go from there back to the headquarters... And Dapu, he's gathered the rangers for an announcement. And he says, guys, I realize what has been causing, like, my intense sleepiness. And they say, oh, Dapu, our friend. There were quotes around that in my heart. I heard that. Our friend, yeah, whatever could be the cause of your trouble. And he says, well, I'll tell you. But first, I would like to sing a song. And then he proceeds to do the worst thing that's ever been on television. It's, it's, it's truly awful. Here's, here's what it says in my notes. So I'm, I'm giving it to you straight as I was experiencing it. Yeah, thank you. It really, you should try to watch this part of it. No, this is the part that you shouldn't watch. You should watch the rest of this episode. But I mean, like, to get it, yeah. I guess. Um, in my notes, I just have it saying, Dabu has realized why he's so tired. And, because he hates me, he is going to sing the answer. But the thing is, he doesn't sing the answer. He says he is going to sing the answer. And he starts it on this song. And friends, it goes for a while. Maybe it was only 30 yeah. seconds. It felt like five minutes. It did. It was extraordinarily long. So, like, the lyrics of the song, did you say you had them? Oh, gosh. I, I tried. I got a few lines in, and I realized, like, I I think the show is purposely making this not make sense. Because I could not, like, cobble together Here's, any sort okay. of, like, cohesion thought. Here's the really bizarre thing about Dapu, is that I feel like Yoshio Urasawa... As much as I love the work that he's doing with Car Rangers, like, cannot decide if Dapu is, like, a child sidekick or their mentor. Because he vacillates wildly and seemingly completely unpredictably between, like, those two poles. Yeah. Like, on one hand, he's like, I will train the Rangers and do all of those other things. But on the other hand, like, he eats too much ice cream. You know what I mean? Like, this is kind of the space Dapu, Dapu occupies. So anyways, um, we they get an alert, thank goodness, which interrupts this song. Um, so the Rangers just dip, but they'd never actually hear his news. Yeah, so we, like, Dapu has figured out, but we and the Rangers are still completely in the dark. So we still do not know what is going on. So the Rangers roll out. Instructor Richie Hiker is at a table on the water. I feel almost certain that we have seen these same tables in this same uh, waterfront little area before. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I yeah, I on it, but uh, it seems very familiar. Uh, I think maybe... In Jetman, I think there was the, the, the episode with the fortune teller monster. Ooh, yeah, maybe. Anyway. Maybe. I feel like we've seen it multiple times before. I feel like it showed up in Cocky Ranger at least once. Um, anyways, he says, I've been waiting for you. He says, my power has been upgraded. He just sort of... 
He does a little exposition for the Rangers, which is nice. I assume it's only for the Rangers because, of course, we've seen all the episodes. Although, and to so be fair, sort of like, you, know, like, you and I are sitting down to watch the episodes every week. If you were a kid and you missed last week's episode... Oh, yeah, good point, good point. Um, so, anyways, he sort of exposits for a minute. And he just says, like, this is what we did. Like, I kicked President Guinam out. I've kicked Zanet out. Which is kind of weird to me. It seems like he would have used this opportunity to, like, cement a position with Zanet, which is clearly what he's been shooting for. Maybe he's just more interested in evil now. I feel like he was never that interested in that. I think that that was something that he was, like, kind of pursuing because he was slacking off from his job. And she was, like, pretty Mm, and nearby. But, like, now that he's actually got some direction, like, he is much more interested in evil. So anyways, he's like, Zanette is also out. And then Kyosuke is like, oh, Zanette? Like, like, he doesn't say a whole lot, but there is a brief, like, is she okay yeah. sort of vibe emanating. Uh, there's an, an energy of concern there. So uh, we, we do immediately see a, a cutaway to Zanette and Gynamo just wandering down the street totally fine, trying to find stuff to do. So, yeah, like, like we, she's we, got the, ice cream. We, the, the viewers know that they're fine. Yeah, everything is totally cool. Uh, and Instructor Richie Hiker basically just says, well, the Bozirk are going to be a lot different now. Uh, a lot more effective. And we're starting right now. Wumper attack! And there's a great shot where they do some, like, reverse... Like, they just reverse the film of Wumpers jumping into the water feet first. And it looks like the Wumpers just sort of fly up out of the it's water. It's very good. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, so then they fight for a second. And then Breaking appears. Right, they just go straight from Wumpers to Giant Monster, and the yeah. Car Rangers are not ready for it all. They call a Giga Booster, which seems like a bad idea. Like, they probably should have gone a little harder than just bringing out their big gun, uh, now that there is a Giant Monster here, but maybe they... Oh, that's what it is. Listen, man. They, they can't call RV Robo, right? Like, don't they need Dapu to do that? I actually got a really big kick out of this bit, Matt, because... Uh, since I've been working on these rules so much, now anytime I'm watching an episode, I'm always sort of like like running the math, I guess, oh, sure. in my yeah, head. Like trying to figure out how it would work in your game. Yeah, precisely. So like this is like they tried to do their move and they just like didn't have enough power. But like what else are you going to do because like you're at minus two when you're trying to fight giants and you're not a giant. They're like, well, let's try it at least. It doesn't work. And then they try to call their giant robots, but they boof that role too because uh, Dapu's still sleeping. The explanation would be Dapu. <laughs> yeah, because Dapu, their idiot mentor. Like I, I, I don't know if we mentioned this or how long it's been since we've mentioned this, but whenever they call for RV Robo, like Dapu back at base is the one who says like, "Okay, yes, yeah, send it out." And I guess if there's no one at base to hit the button. Like, they can't get their cars. Yeah, like, they don't summon them directly. They just call Dapu, who does it, and that dude's asleep. So, so like, they get a hold of him, and they're just like, hey, dude. Well, no, they, they retreat. Um, they get a hold of him by running oh, away from right. the fight and going back to the, yeah. the, the garage. And so, they show up, and they're like, hey, bud, uh... Like, what, like, what's up? Like, what's going on? And he says, oh, yeah. So here's the deal. 
He says this in a very totally forgot way. to mention this, bros. He says forgot to mention this. Did not forgot about it myself. Frankly, um, we Dapunians, like whatever his race uh, is, Hazardians. He's he's from Hazardians. The planet, planet that's right, Planet Hazard. Hazard. Yeah. yeah, he's like we Hazardians. Like we need to hibernate or we die. Don't know why this hadn't occurred to me before, but that's it. That's why so I'm constantly asleep. That's the insane part that I wanted to talk about. That like. He needs to do this to live, apparently. And when he was getting sleepy, was like, huh, wonder wonder what's going on with all that sleepy sleepiness. That's wild. It's very wild. The, the one thing that kind of makes sense about it is, like, I think they talked about the seasons at some point. And I think that's what, what the reason it caught him by surprise is because... Like, this is not the time of year when he would be hibernating, but the seasons are different on Earth than they are than they were on the planet Hazard. So, like... I mean, yeah, that is... I so think that is the thing he's that got the, like, the most he's sense. He's jet-lagged, essentially. Like, he, he went to the wrong time zone, and he's really sleepy and can't figure out why. And he just realized, like, oh, I started today, like, three time zones away. That's why I'm tired at 8 p.m. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So they're like, well, okay, what are we going to do? Like, are we just going to call Signal Man back? And then I feel like Kyosuke has his first, like, really big leader moment. Um, He's just like, no. Like, we are the Car Rangers. We're, we do not need to call Signal Man. Like, Dapu's out for the count, Signal Man is out, like, it's down to us, but we are going to do this. Like, call RV Robo, this is happening. Boom. It's it's very, very yeah, good. it's extremely good. Yeah, um, it is ultimately pointless. It's a huge Because failure. here's what happens. <laughs> yeah, they call RV Robo, and they're just like, get dunked! RV, get so cut! And then they spin around, and then Breaking just catches their sword and snaps it in half. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah, so RV Robo goes down. Uh, Instructor Richie Iker just calls a bunch of Wumpers who straight up like snow snow speeder uh, RV Robo. And then they just like climb up and just punch through the glass. Yeah, it's very good. We get this shot like what we're supposed to see is like an army of Wumpers like scaling like, you know, like with grappling hooks scaling the side of RV Robo. Because RV Robo has been like like, grabbed by Breaking's tail and electrocuted, so all its systems have shorted out, so it can't, like, move right now. And so, we see all of these Wumpers scaling up the side, but, like, it's not actually a giant robot, it's a guy in a cardboard box suit. And so, what actually is happening is that they have just, like, with a bunch of, like, fishing line and, like, action figures painted to look like Wumpers, like, made it look like a bunch of little dudes are climbing him. It's extremely yeah, good. Yeah, it's, it's super, super rad. So anyways, um, that's a game. Like, the Rangers just have to run because they got, like, boarded. Yeah. Uh, so they abandon ship. We see a quick second of um, Gynamo and Zanet at a sushi joint. And then they're, like, walking out of a sushi joint. And then Zanet wants to go do karaoke. Which, listen, I just want to say... If Gynamo's ultimate goal is, like, spend some QT with Zanat, then, like, maybe being the president of the Bozook was the wrong way to go, because this seems to be working out very well for him. Yeah. 
Uh, they, they do go to a karaoke bar. Uh, she sings for him, but does not manage to lighten his mood. Yeah. But it's a nice and then gesture. we just see... Yeah. We see the rangers, and they're out on the water, just in their, their regular civvies. Oh, did we mention that the, the Bozo captured RV Robo and took him back to Baribarian? Oh. I, yeah, I did forget that. They definitely, like, steal that, that giant robot. Um... And then they just kind of stand there looking pensive till the sun goes down. Yeah, like they stand there for a long and, time. Because they're like, yeah. we don't have Dapu. Signal Man's gone. We don't have RV Robo. Like, what What are we do? What are we still doing? Like, what can we actually yeah. do? We're still the car rangers, but does that matter if we don't have that stuff with us? So then the lights go out. And a figure starts striding towards them. And they're just like, what's going on? Is is it Signal Man? It's not Signal no, Man. It's, it's the like, Dark Signal Man. <laughs> it's like Dark Signal Man's like baller older brother or something. And he just rolls up and drops some like arcane wisdom on they, them. They ask who he is. And he says, uh, oh, he comes. Yeah, he comes up and says, like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be out fighting for traffic safety. And they say, who are you? And he says, am I a friend? A foe? A lone wolf in the universe? I am VRV master. And then he just like and walks like... Like towards them, but then kind of like fades away. It's extremely But he good. like gets into their midst. And that's it. Yeah, it's like, the, it, it really does feel like the gritty reboot of Signal Man. Of Signal Man, yeah, that's that's 100% what it feels uh, if like. If you know the like all of these character models from watching Power Rangers Turbo, this is the Phantom Ranger. Oh, okay. Uh, and I said that as though I knew who you were talking yeah. about, but like, I the, don't. The Phantom Ranger was super disappointing in Turbo because at some point they were supposed to reveal who he was, and then they didn't. And then that was just it. Cool. Great television, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, that's uh, we actually don't have a monster for the Creature Royale this yeah, week. Yeah, because Bray King is still alive. Um, so yeah, I guess that's... In, in lieu of that, Dave, do you have any like high point, low point stuff you want to talk about? Uh, n- you know, normally I would, but I actually feel like we kind of covered most of it at the beginning of the show. Like, this is the big mid-season pivot. Um... They're doing a great job of it. Yeah, I, I um, even within the context of Car Ranger, even within the context of Car Ranger being sort of like a goof season. Yeah, um, I feel like they are doing a very good job of 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 making it still a very good season. Well, while at the same time, you know, knocking knocking some jokes. And you know out. what I think is really great about like Signal Man left last episode. This episode, or maybe it was the episode before last, like. But, like, Signal Man left, and then immediately, like, the dark, gritty reboot of Signal Man appears. And even though VRV Master does not seem himself to be a joke, like, the quickness with which they replaced Signal Man kind of feels like a joke. So you you get him being cool, but you also get to enjoy them, like, poking fun at their own tropes. Yeah, like I said, like, it's really uh existing in like a very narrow band where this where this works and they're making it yeah. work plus he just looks cool uh that's um 
I always liked Signal Man. And Signal Man did kind of look cool, but he also looked kind of goofy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, VRV Master is definitely like a slimmed down, slicked up version yeah. of, of Signal Man. All right. So I guess in that case, Dave, that is going to do it for another episode of License to Car Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or uh, check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you are interested in uh, getting a copy of the playtest of Ghost Sentai Hero, the game that Dave has been working on low these many months, years? Low this many uh, years. Low this many yeah. year, at least. Um, Dave, where can they get in contact with you to do that? Yeah, if you just email me at gosentaiheroes at gmail.com, uh, I will get back to you and get you the rules, and uh, I'm really looking forward to hearing back from people. Right on. Um, as always, remember that if you do like the show, and we hope that you do, uh, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, subscribe, review on uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you find the show. We're available on a number of different vectors. Uh, that would be very kind of you. Um, if you would like to listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do that all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.